I love that guy. He would make you cheer. Man, I'm so honored just to be on this stage. Um, I love being on this stage. I'm, we're loving it right now. We, you know, we've been doing student services for the last month on Wednesday nights here and having thousands of students across our campuses that are, that are connecting on Wednesday night and growing. We've reached over 400 new students on Wednesday nights that are coming and kids that are bringing their friends and they're really getting it. And also the opportunity to bring students in here on Sunday mornings and begin to train them up for what God has for their future. Because so many students we've seen after they turn 18 and they go off to college, they are walking away from church. And so we're trying to train them as to how to be a part of the church body as a whole. And so God's moving so mightily in our student ministry. And it's such a privilege to get to be, to invite them to connect, to be a part of the team as to what God's doing in his kingdom and in his church. Because I'm a, you know, this, this message series I think is so well-timed because truly it is so good to know that we're not alone, isn't it? I mean, in general, I know for myself, and I think if you're being honest with yourself, that we were created to be team players. Like that's why I'm a, I'm a team sports kind of guy. I love team sports. I love supporting our Houston teams, especially our Houston Astros as we try to make a deep playoff run um, right now. And that's what's happening here locally in Houston, which is super exciting. We get behind that. And I, I not enjoy, only enjoy watching team sports, but I loved participating in team sports growing up. That was a big part of my life, playing soccer and playing baseball. But I'm really enjoying this season I'm in right now where I'm getting to walk my sons through their team sports. I'm coaching my boys in soccer and my son is playing competitive baseball right now and he's doing a great job with that. And I actually was at one of their practices this week and it was really interesting watching them take grounders. So we had a, they had a coach out there who we love and he was just pounding grounders at all these boys, kind of doing the typical baseball practice routine, hitting a grounder to third base, throwing it to first, hitting it to shortstop, throwing it to first. And they're hitting these grounders. And as I was watching them, I began to pick up on some patterns. And it was interesting watching these 10 and 11 year old boys sometimes be able to do things that looked unbelievable, right? I mean, it looked almost like what the pros do on just their smoothness of being able to gather a ball and fire it over to first base or turn a double play. It was something awesome to watch. And then every once in a while, there'd be just something where you'd be like, what in the world was that? As they'd make some sort of crazy air or errant throw that would sail over the netting, right? And you'd be like, How, what, what is this discrepancy between the two? And, and obviously practice, but there's a few things that I learned from that. One of the things was, as I was watching, it was clear to see that all the boys in practice wanted to do well. And I think there was a few reasons they wanted to do well. One of them was that they wanted to do well for their teammates, right? Watching the teammate before them do something well, thinking towards the game that was coming on the weekend and wanting the coach to see that they were doing well and wanting to be ready that when the ball came their way in the game, that they could get that final out to compete and to do something good for the team, to have the team celebration, right? You know that the Astros are working towards that World Series, but it's all towards that huge celebration where the whole city will come together if we win another championship and celebrate and get excited. It's a team sport and it's fun to get a part of team sports. And it was fun to watch these 10 and 11 year olds do whatever it took to get behind that baseball and make a play. And you know, I began to realize that for these boys, when they would charge the baseball and they were thinking about their teammates and thinking about the goal that they wanted to accomplish, they would charge that baseball, scoop it up, make a throw, fire it over. And it was, it was fun to watch, to see them have to trust the first baseman to make the catch and to watch that development being built, that trust, those bonds being built right before me was a pretty cool thing to see. But I also noticed something different. I noticed those moments when the ball was hit towards them, and really every boy did this at least once, most of them multiple times, where the ball would be hit in their general direction, and all of a sudden you could just see that moment when fear settled into their eyes. 
And it's like they got a glimpse because of the way the ball was bouncing or just the different timing of it, of all of a sudden, they lost sight of the big picture of the team goal and accomplishing this thing. And it was just, there's a giant hard object coming towards my face. And in that moment, you would see them do something opposite of what they had done in all the plays before that. And all of a sudden, as the ball begins to approach, self-preservation settles in and you get one of these. And they turn away from the goal and from the objection and from being able to see the ball into their mitt and the ball rolls through their legs or whatever. And they get some encouragement from their coach or whatever and he gives them another chance to do it again. And if they get in the right mindset, you see them charge that ball and whatever. And if not, you see them just continue to back up, to wince, to flinch or whatever. Because self-fear always leads us to a place of self-preservation. And you know, what's funny is I began to see that. And as I was thinking about that, as preparing for this weekend's message, is that that's what we do in life so often. We know that we were created to be a part of a team. We were created to be about part of something so much greater than a team. We were created to be a part of a family. But you know what the truth is? As great as a family is and the family dynamics of a mom and a dad and a husband and a, and a spouse and, a, and, a, and kids, we were created to be part of something so much greater than even a family. We were created to be a part of God's church. To be knitted together to be held together by the love and the character of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been called to. And when we keep that goal in mind, it compels us to do crazy, unbelievable things that causes the world to look in at what we do and to celebrate it and to say, I wanna be a part of that. But when fear settles in and we get the eyes real big because of some sort of circumstance or thing that's happened to our lives, some sort of trauma that's settled into our life, some sort of difficulty we've been through, some sort of insecurity, and all of a sudden fear settles in, then you get that same look in your heart that I saw in those 11-year-old's face. <gasps> and you begin to realize, what if? I might get hurt here. There might be rejection here. This is a difficult thing headed my way. And what do we do? We take a step back in fear we lose sight of the goal. And instead of attacking for the sake of the team, the problems and the difficulties in our life, we step back. And in many cases, we don't just step back. When we do step back, then we feel the guilt and the shame of not having come through or being what we thought we should have been. And in many cases, we don't feel worthy to be a part of the team. We feel a shame and embarrassment that causes us to push team members and family members and church members away, and we find ourselves separated from the thing that we were created for. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And I wanna show you from God's word from the very beginning, very simply and all the way throughout scripture from Genesis 2 to Revelations 22, that I believe God has a very simple and very powerful message for us as the church of Jesus Christ. And this message of that you are not alone. And so I want us to read this together, read it aloud together. You can read it from your notes that are in front of you, or you can read it on the screens with us. And for those of you who are joining us from other campuses, we love you, we are with you. And for those of you who are watching online, I believe that this message is especially for you today. Wherever you may be, whatever's going on in your world, you're not alone. God loves you, and we're here for you as his church. Would you read this with me together out loud? It says this in Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, if you'll remain standing, because I want just the men in this room to read this verse, because I think it's the hardest for us to be able to grip this, isn't it, right? There's a lot of us in this room as men that we feel like what life is about is us proving that I can do it on my own. I've got this. Let me show how great I am to my family by being able to show how much I can shoulder. But this is a powerful verse to us. So just as men, let's read this one more time. 
Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we know that you love us. And God, out of your love for us, we pray that you would prepare our hearts today for the word that you're gonna bring through your scriptures and out of my mouth. God, I pray that you would allow your word to move us from where we are to where you're calling us to be. That God, we would fight for what we're created for, that we would fight for connection with you and a deep connection with each other. God, we pray against the attacks of the enemy that he's gonna try to bring fear and shame and guilt and past pains that cause us to wince and to shrink back in fear. And that God, instead, we would step forward through the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline that you've given us. We love you. We give the service to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, it is a powerful and simple verse. When Jesus speaks into our lives as both men and women, yes, it was to Adam first, but it's the reality that is to mankind, not just to the man, that for all of us, it is not good for us to be alone. Now, I think for a lot of us, you might sit in this room, you might say, Mark, I'm good on that. I got my family here with me today. I got my life group sitting in the rows and section around me. I got my kids over in the auditorium. We're a united family. I've got good things. I've got lots of people around me, which may be true. You may have the presence of lots of people around you, but there's a difference between having people around you and truly allowing, truly allowing yourself to be known and not being alone. Because you may share the same space with other people, but it doesn't change the fact that there may be some past hurts, pains, and heartaches, or current difficulties and struggles and things that you're going through, that when they come up, when those things come to your mind, you find a way to move the conversation along, to hide them, to cover them, and to do whatever it takes to keep those things to yourself, and you choose to deal with them alone. For some of you, maybe it has something to do with a past trauma. You're dealing with trauma right now of, of having past abuse that maybe came into your life or the loss of a loved one. And you've opened up to a few people about that, but the hurt is still there. And somehow you're convinced the enemy is continuing to tell you that nobody knows what you're going through, that nobody will understand, and that the best way through this is for you just to continue to soldier on and deal with it on your own. And even if you did open up, that nobody would really care. That is a lie from the enemy. And it is not good for you to be alone. You weren't created to go through those things alone. We were created to go through those things with the Lord and with the people who are filled with the love of the Lord. Maybe it's not trauma. Maybe for you, it's a financial decision in your past that you're embarrassed about. You made an investment that went belly up. You invested some money. You spent some money in some way and it didn't work out. And now your family's in financial hardship and you've tried to hide your financials, finances and those financial decisions from your spouse. And you certainly try to hide them from your friends because it's embarrassing and whatever. And so you're still trying to pretend like you have your life all together and this kind of stuff. And you're still struggling and there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain that's coming to your life and a lot of things that you're dealing with. And the reality is, is that you aren't meant to deal with that alone, but it's difficult for us to open up about things like that because we feel like it'll make us weak. It feels like we're exposing our neck to weakness and our fellow guy friends and our spouse would look at us and love us differently if they saw the real us. But the truth is, is if they don't get a chance to see the real us, they never get a chance to actually love the real you. We have to let each other in. It's the opposite of the animal kingdom where you never show your neck. In God's kingdom, where we love each other, we're constantly exposing our neck and saying, I trust you. And when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we find the kind of connection that God created us for. 
But Mark, you don't understand. I've been bit. I've been hurt. I've had pain introduced in my life. I know. But it doesn't change the fact that it is not good for you to be alone. You must, we must continue to make investments into trust because it's what you were created for. Maybe it's not financial decisions, but maybe it's addiction that you're dealing with. Something that just continues to haunt you. If it's not addiction, maybe it's insecurities, a physical insecurity of some sort, some sort of skin issue or this or that, or the loss of hair, the loss of teeth. I feel like I'm describing myself, okay? And whatever it may be of things that may be haunting you where you have these insecurities and you want people to not look, not see. When this is brought up, you're constantly trying to defer and detract and get people to look the other way. Listen, I'm 36 years old, happily married for 11 years, and I still hide things from my wife. It's the craziest, silly, stupid things as if I'm, or I'm playing baseball out with the boys and I chase some balls off into the woods and I get into a patch of poison ivy. I'll come home and I will think, this is still today. I'm so sorry and this is so embarrassing. But still to this day, I will come home and my first thought will be, I'm gonna, I have to figure out a way to hide this because if she sees this nasty growing rash on my leg, she's in some level gonna think that I'm gross, disgusting, not wanna touch me, not wanna be near me and I don't want that. I can't handle that hurt and rejection so I'm gonna wear pants to bed. These are the kind of the decisions that we make because I'm so afraid that she'll say, what were you doing? You were being, you were being crazy with the boys again, weren't you? you were, it's like the, I'm, I'm so afraid of these questions and things that might come my way that instead of opening up and being real with her that I just keep these. Now, let me tell you something. This has actually happened yesterday. <laughs> As I was preparing for this message, I want you to know the Lord was convicting me. And my wife and I, as we were preparing for the day, The Lord was telling me, Mark, I want you to tell her that you've been hiding insecurities from her and that you are gonna be more committed to being more open about things that you're dealing with. And I love the Lord. So I just simply spoke back to him. No, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that is, don't you? And the Lord was like, you need to trust me and trust her. And with all the courage within me, I stumbled the words out of my mouth, which is embarrassing because you and I know from the outside, some of you are like, why is that such a big deal? I don't know, because it is to me. Why is the thing that you're dealing with such a big deal? Because it is to you. And with all the courage I had within me, I let it out of my mouth. And what was so funny, because my wife is a better person than I am, she just smiled. She says, I know you're made that way. And that's okay, I love you. But you know what's funny? I love those little things. And it's true, my wife loves nitpicking at all the weirdest things on my kids and on me and whatever. It doesn't gross her or weird her out. She's fascinated by it. But yet the enemy will continue to tell me, she'll see you differently. Your relationship will be different. It'll never be the same. You know what's funny? He's right, but for all the wrong reasons. It won't ever be the same. It'll be, has the opportunity to be closer and to be better than it ever was before because it'll be built on trust. And where there is trust, there's intimacy. If it's not insecurities, perhaps it's depression or a sickness that you or someone that's battling with. And maybe from one of those things, you've got anger. Anger turns towards the world, anger towards God. That's okay, but don't carry it alone. You're battling depression or anxiety. I hear that. I'm not saying that I can fix it, but I can tell you, you don't have to carry it alone. It's what the enemy wants for you, but it's not what God wants for you. Maybe it's a past mistake or a lie that you told or are holding on to that's brought hurt and pain into your life. Perhaps it's a broken relationship with a spouse, a a, a divorce that is pending or has happened. It's now trying to figure out the relationship with the ex or how to keep your relationship from going from that. There's hurt, there's pain in your relationship. Listen, I get it and I'm not saying that I can fix it, but we are saying as your church that you don't have to carry it alone. 
It is not good for man to be alone. Maybe as a parent, you just have a misbehaving child and you're so afraid to let other parents in because you're fearing the judgment and what they're gonna say and that it seems like they know exactly how to raise their kids and they're just gonna look at you and it's gonna be the opportunity to tell you, well, I told you you shouldn't have done this and I told you you shouldn't do that and you should be doing this and you should be doing that. Listen, the principle of us opening up isn't about fixing each other's problems, it's about carrying each other's problems together. Being able to be there for each other in the way that we were created for that the world might look in at a church who's holding each other up and say, that's a family I wanna be a part of. But we have to model that, men, and our family, what it is to open up and to be vulnerable and to be first to bring up issues and hurts and feelings of disconnection and establish that. It's one place where it is okay to be competitive with your wife is to be the first one to open up. Race into the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and be the first one to start the conversation. Don't let your wife beat you today to this conversation. Be first. Be the champion God created you to be, to lay down your life for your wife as Christ laid down his life for the church. Be first. To open up, peel back that heart and say, when this happens, it hurts. When this happens, I feel this way. Because that's what champions do. We compete for connection. And let me tell you something, if you're looking for connection, know this, God is all there. I love that song called Pieces where it says, God didn't give his heart in pieces. God is not holding himself back from you. God isn't, doesn't give himself part of the way. God is all there. Whatever hurt and pain, I know you may hear this a ton, but know this, God is there with you. And he understands what you're going through more than what we take time to realize sometimes. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 16, just before he went to his crucifixion about understanding the kind of hurt that was about to come his way from his disciples? He said this in John chapter 16, 32, as he was speaking to his disciples, he says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. He knew that when the going got tough, that his disciples were gonna get going. They were gonna leave him. They were gonna run for their own lives out of self-preservation. They were gonna flinch. But Jesus spoke into that moment. He says, no matter what you do to me, no matter how much that hurts, when it feels like I'm alone, you will leave me alone. Yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. Whenever you felt abandoned or alone or hurt, wherever you are today, hear this. You are not alone. How do I know that? Because God brought these words into your life today to remind you and to assure you, you're not alone. I'm here, I see, I know, and I'm with you. You're not alone. Why did Jesus tell them that? He says in the next verse, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. What's his goal for your life and that insecurity, that hurt, that trauma, that pain, that broken relationship is to be able to look to him and what he endured and the hope of eternity that lies ahead of us and to be able to allow it to bring you peace. That we are gonna be able to journey through this together. And that's what it's about. Choosing to stop carrying it on your own and choosing to let people in. Choosing to let God in. He's all there. That you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. Yes, pain, addiction, difficulties, bad decisions are gonna come your way. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. 
you will get through this. We will get through this. You're not meant to do it alone. Choose to let people in today. He understands. Hebrews 4.15 says this, this high priest of ours, Jesus, who now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. He knows what it feels like to be alone. He knows what it feels like to stare down the difficulty of a cross and to have the weight bear on him so hard that he begins to sweat drips of blood, to have his friends betray him, to have his friends abandon him. We saw him even cry out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He understands what it feels like to feel all alone. But don't forget the fact that the reason he went through it was so that we would never have to be alone. He, was, he realized that connection was worth dying for. Did you catch that? Connection is worth dying for. Open up about your insecurities, creating a relationship with him that's under grace was worth dying for. He loves you and he cares about you. Listen, I have my own struggles, always have. I've been very open with the whole church and with the student ministry and my family about my addiction to pornography as a teenager. Struggled through it. Felt so much like I felt like if I ever opened up and told my dad about this struggle, about these things going on, let me tell you something. The enemy was real good about telling me, Mark, your dad will never see you in the same way. He, he's gonna think this about you. He's gonna say that about you. It's gonna get out to your family. All of these people are gonna know and this is how they're gonna look at you. This is how you're gonna feel about you. Oh, and you wanna be a pastor someday? You can kiss that goodbye. Those things will all be out the window. You better learn to hide that. And so I had one choice because I was listening to the enemy and every time those insecurities and those fears and those things came up and the guilt and the shame came, I had one choice. The closer people got, in order to keep them connected to me, I had to push them away. Can you listen to the contradiction that that is? In order to preserve our relationships, we have to keep people at arm's length so they can't figure out who we really are. That is the kind of lie that the enemy wants to fill our lives with. Why? Because he is a liar. He is full of it. It is literally the time in church where I wish I could just curse, but our kids are in here today. Because it is, he is full of it. And he wants to convince you that the only choice for your life is to continue to hold that on. And that what's best for us as men and as women is to be able to just grin and bear it and deal with it because no one understands. He is a liar. When the truth is that he loves you, listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 139 about how God feels about us and thinks about us. He says, you saw me before I was born. Let these words soak in. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I cannot even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand is how much God thinks about you. And when I wake up, you are still with me. He loves you. He knows what you're going through and he is all there. And let me pass another truth on to you. Not only is he all there, but his grace is all you need. Now you might've heard that before if you've been around church and heard the grace word thrown out. His grace is all you need. Okay, yeah, but I'm still hurting, but it is. His grace is all you need. It's just claiming the power of grace that we have trouble doing. Because if you have something that remains unconfessed that you're allowing to continue to be hidden, the reason it has power over you is because you haven't let the power of grace bring healing to it. You get to choose. 
whether or not you will let grace come in and cover over what has happened. And let me tell you something, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that right now, this moment is your time. Because whatever you've been through, whatever decisions you've made, and we've all made them, we're all in the same boat. Remember what it says in Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. We all have things that the enemy is using against us, telling us we're too bad, too dirty, too disgusting, too gross. But let me encourage you with this. What Jesus did for you on the cross is enough. And if you want to receive forgiveness for your sins, it's as simple as placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believing what he did on the cross for you is enough. And if you believe that today for the very first time and you are choosing to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then it is my privilege to be the very first person to tell you, welcome to God's forever family. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You are whole, you are pure, you are blameless, and you are right before God because what he did for you is enough. Let me tell you something, whatever it is that you're dealing with that is making you potentially hold people at arm's length and push people away, let me love you enough to speak into you. Do not let your pride in what you did keep you from accepting what Christ did as being bigger than what you did. The cross is bigger than your sin. His grace abounds all the more. The more you sin, the more his grace abounds, the Bible says. You can't outsin the power of the cross. Whatever you have done, it is paid for. His grace is enough. You were created for connection. You aren't meant to be alone, but you have to choose to let his grace be enough. The only power that sin has is the power we continue to give it when we allow it to stay inside of us instead of being carried by Jesus and carried by others. Cast all your burdens upon me, he says. Lay them at my feet. What I did is enough. You're whole, you're pure, you're blameless. You are right with God because it's no longer about what you do. It's about what God sees his son already did for you. It's done, it's finished, it's paid for. Paul the apostle Paul in the scriptures had a thorn in his flesh. Something that on some level, lots of debate as to what the thorn in the flesh was, this messenger from Satan he talks about, but on some level, it was something that the enemy was using to keep him from feeling worthy and connected to God and feeling like he was worthy of continuing to connect with other people. What the thorn is doesn't really matter, but the Lord's response to Paul is critical. Listen to what he said each time It says in 2 Corinthians 12, each time when Paul asked the Lord to remove that thorn from his flesh, each time he said, my grace is all you need. This is a powerful sentence here. My power works best in weakness. You wanna see God's power show up in your life? You wanna see his goodness show up in your life? It is in the moments we choose to take those difficult things out of our hearts and to carry them, let other people carry them with us to get them out of our hearts and to let the church carry them with us. That's when we truly get to see the power of Christ. He says, my power works best in weakness. I know you're hurting. I know that you've been felt rejection. I know you're dealing with trauma. So let that be carried by me and you will truly see how powerful I am. Let me do what only I can do in your life so that the power of Christ can work through me, Paul says. Oh, sorry, he says, so now I'm glad to what? To boast about my weaknesses. 
I'm not afraid to tell anyone about what my struggles and hurts are because I want them to see the kind of life change that Christ is doing in me. I want the world to see what's available to them. And I can't do that if I leave it, leave it hidden within. I boast about them so that the power of Christ may work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, he says. And in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I know you've had some difficult things come into your life. Tragedy and trauma strikes all the time. I read of a story this week from a few years ago in the Washington Post of a guy named Tim Ward who tragedy and trauma hit his life in the blink of an eye. This article says that Tim Ward last heard his wife's voice on March 22nd, 2014. Brandy called out his name from the kitchen just before the mudslide hit their Oso Washington farmhouse. The impact killed Brandy and left Tim badly injured. And since the country's deadliest mudslide killed 44 and destroyed dozens of homes, Tim Ward has been trying to piece his life back together. But the mortgage on the now destroyed home continued to weigh on him. He owed a big debt on a home that had now been destroyed by the mud. He said, it was like the elephant sitting on your chest, Ward told NBC News. You knew it was there. You knew you still had to take a deep breath, but it was very hard. An anonymous donor heard of Ward's plight on the news and has now come forward to his aid by paying off the mortgage, all $360,000 of it. Wow. Ward said, there are still good Samaritans out there. This is life-changing. Can you imagine having been through the most difficult thing in your life and someone coming to your aid and paying off so great a debt? What a blessing. Now, I want you to imagine that you were Tim Ward's friend. And a month after this, in the month of May, after this generous donor has come forward and paid off his mortgage, that as a friend of Tim's, you saw Tim pull out his checkbook and he writes a $4,532.16 check and sends it off to the mortgage company and makes another payment on his mortgage. And the next month, in June, he gets out his checkbook and you watch him write a $4,532 check and 16 cents and he sends it off to the mortgage bank. And he does this month after month after month. If you love Tim, at some point, you're gonna have feel compelled to come alongside Tim and say, Tim, I love you. Why do you continue to pay for something and write checks for something that has been paid for? It was a gift, man. It's been paid for. You hold the deed in your hands. Can I just tell you that I love you enough to speak to you? Why do you continue to carry guilt and shame and write checks to the enemy for something that has been paid for? Do you not remember Jesus' words on the cross? It is finished. To tell us die, paid in full. Stop letting the enemy convince you that you need to push people away when what we need to be doing is letting God in and letting others in and choosing to let others carry what we've been carrying on our own for so long. Let God show you that there are others going through what you're going through too. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10. He says this, if you think you are standing strong, I got this. 
Be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Your circumstances may be unique, but you're feeling the same thing in your heart that I was when I needed to open up to my wife about my insecurities. I can't do it. There's no way, no one understands. This will be terrible, this is what's gonna happen. We all feel that way. But some of us have to take the courage and have the courage. All of us need to have the courage to take a step out and open up and trust God and trust each other, make investments into trust. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. But when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You wanna know what your way out is for most of you? Your spouse that God's provided right there for you to be able to open up to and confess to and talk to and let know what's going on in your life and your hurt and your struggles to work with. If not your spouse, your friend, your life group, your parents, students, God has given you things in your life. He's given you the way out. People, when you feel alone, he has put people in your life to be able to open up that window into his healing, to be able to invite you into that and to be able to be there for you. And if not your life group, your pastors, can I tell you the greatest blessing of my week was the fact that my schedule was completely full this week with families and kids and teenagers who were coming into my office and that we were getting cokes with and hanging out with and they were just laying out what God was doing in their life and where their hurts and their struggles and their pains were. Now, please know I didn't fix any of them. Because I can't, I can't bring healing into your life. Only God can do that. But we can journey into healing together. That's what we were created to do. And when people come in and they say, I'm struggling with this, or I've got this hurt or this pain in my life. Yes, sometimes, yes, man, the Lord brings healing right there and in that moment. But if he doesn't, there's still the confidence of knowing that we were created to journey through that process together. And whatever you're dealing with, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you it would be our deepest honors as your church, as your pastors, as your life group, and as your spouse to journey through it with you. And that's really where this all goes is the principle of let's carry it together. Let's continue to take one small step, invest into one conversation to be able to build on what's real. You know those romantic comedy movies? Do you watch those? Or they're lots of fun and, and there's this guy and this girl who come together through some weird circumstances. But typically, in almost every rom-com, there's a lie in the middle of their relationship, right? Their relationship is built on this lie. And there's these scenes throughout the movie of where it's like the guy has a chance to open up and he almost does. And you're like, please say something. Because you already know what's going to happen. At some point, he or she is going to find out and the whole relationship is going to be over. And so you plead with them, you watch, and it almost pains me as I nervously watch, and I'm like, please, just say something, this is ridiculous. Say something. Say something. Let your life and let your love with the people you love be built on what's real. I love what Paul said to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 6, 2 through 3, he says this, share each other's burdens. I can't fix it, but I can share it. Your spouse, your husband, your wife, your kids, they may not be able to fix it, but they can share it. Mark, you don't understand what I've done. Maybe I don't, but God does. Don't let yourself be convinced that what you did is bigger than the cross. Let us share it with you. Why? It says share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Don't you understand as a church, we are compelled to show the same grace to you that we've been shown. 
You are forgiven. You are whole. You are pure. You are blameless. You are right before God because the same blood of Jesus covers you that covers me. We all needed it and we've all got it. Choose it. One small step, one small conversation. Be first to be open. Follow the law of Christ and choose to let people put their burdens on you. I love what he says after that. He says, if you think you are too important to help someone, <laughs> you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. If your spouse does have the courage to open up to you, stop and listen and don't forget the grace that God showed you too. I'm not saying there won't be hurt and there won't be pain, but don't let yourself be convinced that you're too important to stop and help and to listen and to choose to be open in response. Have you considered that potentially, that by choosing to keep things hidden, that you are robbing, I don't use that word lightly, you are cheating, you are stealing, you are robbing from those who love you the opportunity to actually know you, to love you, and to be loved by you. See, you don't want to because there's a lack of trust. There's a belief of potential hurt or pain or that I'm gonna protect them because they can't carry this with me. Let me tell you something. I've never met someone who loves another person who wanted them to hurt and go through things on their own. That's just a lie from the enemy. I would never want my wife, no matter how crazy it is the thing that she's going through, to tell herself, to allow the enemy to tell her that if you tell Mark, you can't tell Mark that. He's got too much going on. He's got too much stuff going on. Don't do that. That will put a burden on him. It is my honor to carry things with the people that I love. So don't buy into that. And don't rob the people who love you the chance to actually know you, to love you, and to be loved by you because it takes love to invest trust. And where there is trust, there's opportunity for intimacy. But for guys, for us, this is hard, isn't it? We know it's hard. Just look at guys in the grocery store. You ever seen a guy who gets a text from his wife to go pick up a few things from the grocery store and he walks right past all the shopping carts and past the basket with two hands, uh-uh, two handles, we aren't gonna carry that thing to the store. God gave me everything I need right here. I'm gonna pick up the eggs, the bacon, the milk, the bread. I'm gonna hoist it all in. I'll even hold my shirt up and walk through the store like this if I have to. That's what we do. And you know what's funny is we're carrying it and we come in because at first we're like, okay, I've got a plan. It's just gonna be this and that. I'm gonna get it and get on the boat. When we're in there, the plan all falls apart because we see Cheetos. <laughs> so we get the Cheetos and we get the ball for the kids. And before we know it, we've got more than we can carry and everyone knows it, except us. And nobody wants to say anything to you because they know that if they do come say something to you that you're probably gonna give them some sort of grumpy response because they tried that once and it didn't work out. So everyone just kind of walks by being like, why is he doing that? But one person who loves you enough, who has the courage walks up and suggests like, hey, can I help you? <laughs> no, we say, of course. Someone who loves you even more might even have the courage to say, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I saw that person, they're clearly struggling. So I'm gonna get two carts as if I need them. And I'm gonna walk by them and say, oh, hey, I happen to have an extra cart. Can I give this to you that you might be able to use it? Make it as easy on you as possible. I, you'll be helping me really. To which we say, no, I'm fine. As the beans fall out of our hands and roll under the thing, right? And we just struggle 
Because why? Because we're convinced is what it is to be strong is to be able to do it on our own. But God says, that's not what we were created for. That's not what strength is. Strength is realizing that we were meant to journey together. And we choose to let people carry it with us. We choose to pass that off and say, carry a little bit of this with me. Carry a little bit of this hurt. Carry a little bit of this pain. Carry a little bit of this struggle. Carry a little bit of this parenting issue that I'm gonna have. Carry a little bit of this trauma with me. Carry a little bit of this difficulty. Carry a little bit of this addiction with me because it is beating me up and compelling me to push away when I know I've been created to be drawn in. And let God in. Open up to your spouse today. Choose connectedness, not loneliness. Open up to your life group. If you don't have one, come to the men's event on October 17th. Come to the women's event on October 22nd and get plugged into God's family. Get plugged into something deeper than that, to God's church. In a second, we're gonna sing a song together. And during this song, it's gonna be a reflection of the first two songs that we sang today. And God is so good. I didn't even know they were singing these songs today. Oh, he's so good because he wants you to be able to run to him and fall into his grace. His grace is enough for you. He's all there and we wanna be there for you too if you'll let us carry it. And during this song, I just challenge you wherever you are to let this be the song of your dedication of where you make a commitment right here and right now as to what you're gonna do and to whom you're gonna open up to, but that you decide right here, right now, I will not journey on alone anymore. I'm doing it tonight. I'm doing it today. I told this I preached this message last night. I met one of our volunteers this morning. I said, how did it go? What did you think about the message? He says, I loved it. The Lord definitely brought three or four things to my mind that I definitely need to open up to my wife about. And I told him, I said, yep, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> Don't let that be you. He was kidding. The enemy's so good at getting us to buy into tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Today is the day that you were made for connection. So let this song be the moment when we say, God, I remember who you are. I remember what your grace did for me and I choose to let this person in. And when the song's done, our pastors will be here. Come find us, come connect with us. Come fill our schedule this week and just let us know what we can do. It's not because you're broken, but it's because you were created for connection. Would you stand with me? God, we love you. We're your church. Of course you love us. God, I pray, especially for the men in this room who are 57, 62, 34, 83. How many ages do you want me to say, God, for all of us, that we would have the courage to open up, that we would lead our families via vulnerability, inviting our families to carry our burdens with us and exposing ourselves to saying, hey, I love you, whatever you're going through, I wanna lead out so that you will know you can bring whatever you're dealing with to me too and we'll carry it together. Our strength is in our humility. That's where we want our strength to come from, God. We wanna model the character of Christ. We don't wanna flinch. We don't wanna live in fear anymore. We wanna take on the cross, take on the challenges, take on the difficulties because though we may feel alone, we are not alone. You're with us and you've given us your church. We love you. Teach us what you want us to do during this song. We love you. In your name we pray, amen. This is your time. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.